for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you want to know what the gospel is, just take verse 21. <laughs> That's a gospel. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become his righteousness. What an incredible, incredible truth. We'll start with Joel Rosenberg, and this really fits with what Melissa shared in Sunday school today. I thought it was so good. Uh, we just need more of Jesus in the place, right? He says, in the National Review, columnist Joel Rosenberg recounts former Ohio Congressman Tony Hall's words at the 2005 National Prayer Breakfast. When Hall first went to Washington, he felt hollow. I didn't know God, he said, and I was tired of my ambition. He shared how he attended a prayer breakfast and heard others describe the process they had gone through to begin a personal relationship with Jesus and how that event set him on a spiritual journey that led him and his wife to become Christians. Hall urged religious men and women of both parties not to be shy about bringing their faith to the office and letting it be a part of who they are in public. He described a trip he took to an Islamic country where he was greeted by the U.M. ambassador at the airport. Congressman Hall, I just want to remind you that you're in a Muslim country. Don't talk about religion or it could really set back what we're trying to accomplish here. Hall said he just nodded politely. When they arrived at the office of the Muslim leader, Hall says he was asked why he had come to the country. I would like to be your friend, Hall said. I would like our countries to be friends, and I would like to invite you to the national prayer breakfast in the name of Jesus. The Muslim leader got very excited. He slapped his knee and according to Hall said, that is remarkable. You have come all this way to be my friend and to talk to me about Jesus. That is wonderful. My mother used to talk to me a lot about Jesus when I was a child. We should talk more about Jesus more often. Then the leader turned to the ambassador and he said, why don't you talk about Jesus? Right? Sometimes I think we have, we put up walls that aren't really there. Wendy will say this over and over in education. Oh, they say you're not supposed to have a Bible in education. Oh, you shouldn't say a scripture. Oh, you shouldn't say a prayer. Um, we don't necessarily have specific formulated prayers in education, but every morning in Noblesville schools, they have a moment of silence where everybody that wants can pray. Believe it or not, in Noblesville schools, every morning, every kid still has the opportunity to say the Pledge of Allegiance under God. There are so many kids that ask questions and the teacher is free to answer the question and share about their story and share about their faith. And sometimes we put up walls like, oh, I can't do that. Just like this ambassador. And what we need is, just like you said, Melissa, we need more Jesus. And I want to challenge you today, if you get nothing else from the message, that you would think about how can I be an ambassador this week? How can I live out with integrity the truth that I follow Jesus in the public sphere. Whether it's your work or whether you're running a delivery, whether you're going to the grocery store, the postman's coming by, where you have a conversation with a neighbor, 
how can I bring more of Jesus into the situation and not to back away and not to shy and not to hide because that's when the Lord begins to move. But again, just like we sang this morning, we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Let's look together through this passage. And again, you've got the main point. Ask the Lord to guide your thinking about how you can be an ambassador. First thing we want to look at is ambassadors that are motivated and how they are motivated to witness. Look down in verse 11. Verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let's just look briefly at a few motivations here of the church that Paul is writing to at Corinth. The first thing is they are motivated by judgment. We don't really like to talk about that, and yet it's a very biblical principle here, isn't it, right? If you look at the verses before this, there's the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul says, since then we know what it is to what? To fear the Lord. Now that does mean to reverence Him. That does mean to respect Him. But I still am a proponent of someone who says there's still a little bit of be afraid of the Holy One of Israel. We don't have that today. We need that to be brought back, and that should be a motivation for us. Every one of us here today, and and as I say it out, it scares me to death because I know my words come back to me. We will stand before the Lord, and we will give an account for what what we did with what he gave to us. He's given you money. He's given you friends. He's given you opportunity to pray and to read, to know him. He's given you a new heart and a new life through Jesus. What have you done with what you've been given? Paul to the church at Corinth, he says, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. Now, this is a problem that I have sometimes, and this passage convicts me. This is exactly what we're talking about in Sunday school today. When you read the Word of God and you see something that's a little different than the way, a lot of times we just try to kind of fit that in a box that makes it work for us, right? But that's not what we're to do. When we hear the Word of God and it convicts us, we need to be challenged. Oftentimes, when I think about sharing my faith, I think about the sower sowing the seed and he just scatters. That's kind of how I view it. Well, I threw it over there. If you like it, great. If you don't, well, then you have to deal with God. Well, I'll throw it over there. Yeah, well, if you didn't like it, it's not something against me. It's just the Lord. And instead of really trying to persuade, I'm just kind of tossing it out there. But that's not what Paul said here, did he, right? He said, we try to persuade men. I don't want to push this illustration too far, but I want you to think about it. If someone you cared about, someone even you were just remotely concerned about, was in a building that was on fire that was burning, 
how would you try to persuade them to come out of that building? Would you call them on the cell phone and say, hey, I think your building's on fire. You might want to see about getting out. Would you send them a nice little meme and a graphic and say, hey, you know, if, if your building's on fire, it could be a problem. If hell is real, should it be motivating to us? I think the greatest motivation is heaven, but I think hell is a real motivation. And we know there's inadequacies with that illustration, and yet what keeps hitting me on the mind is if it's somebody on the train track or somebody in a burning building, I'm going to try to persuade them. I need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I need to be careful with the ground that I'm working with, right? But I definitely need to be persuasive in the Lord's power. The fear of the Lord should be motivating us to persuade. Again, it should be more than just believe what you want and I'll believe what I want. We try to persuade. The next thing he says is we are motivated by glory and pride. Pride for the people of Corinth. And I love what Paul says here. What we are is plain to you and plain to those around us. And again, a little penology here, but I think it means you're the same person all the time, right? We all have been around people in our church life who are a different person on Sunday than they are on Monday, right? We know those people. I don't want us to be those people. Paul says, I want you, Corinthians, to be able to take pride in us that we were very plain and very clear before. You could see our motivation. We had nothing to hide. Again, he says, I don't usually try to appeal to man's judgment, but I want you to know that you can answer the critics of what we're doing. Our accounting is before everyone. As a matter of fact, how much money was Paul raking in? He wasn't. He was building tents to make his own way through the things he was doing. And what we saw in Philippians, Paul tells the Corinthians, it was those poor Philippians who were taking care of our missionary needs. You guys were helping out, challenging them even in that. And a reminder that he was willing to do the work to be plain before men. Again, it would seem that the critics here were focusing where? Show me your degrees. Show me the outside. Show me your wealth. Show me your numbers. And they weren't looking to the heart. And Paul was wanting to give confidence through the church there at Corinth that God was working in and through their hearts. And then I love these next few phrases. Verse 13, he says, if we are out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. Some of you finally got your excuse today, didn't you? If you're crazy, why is it? Does it is it crazy to be perceived as crazy for following the Lord? Think about that just for a second. Did anybody think Noah was crazy? I mean, today, if we had a Noah come through and said there's going to be some new sort of thing coming out of the sky and I'm developing a new vessel so we'll be protected, we would have said that guy has lost his mind. Even if he was a holy man who loved people and loved others, we just said he's crazy. If you went and offered your own child on a sacrificial altar because God said for you to do that, would people say you're crazy? If the whole congregation of people was falling down before the mightiest king on the whole planet, 
and you decided that you were just going to stay standing because you didn't agree with worshiping anyone but the one true God? Do you think people thought those three Hebrew boys and Daniel were crazy? Sometimes I think we have a little too much common sense for our own good. We need to be out of our minds for God. And if God says, this is what I got to do, I got to follow the Lord in that. Not to be crazy for crazy's sake, but to be obedient. And when you're obedient to God, it's going to look a lot different than the world would look. And that's what Paul is saying here. And then he says, if we're in our right mind, it is for you. And then he says, for what compels us, what constrains us? So good. What are they motivated by? Christ's love. Does the Lord love you today? You guys are so quiet. I feel like I need to jump up and dance around and go shake all of you. Has Jesus done anything for you today? Good night, people. Where would I be without the Lord? Even in the valley, even in the trial, where would I be without the Lord? Even when my things I love the most and the people I love the most don't seem to be pursuing God, where would I be without the Lord? In my own mind, I need Jesus every moment of every day, and I would be nowhere without him. And Paul says, it's the love of Christ that compels us. It's not because the preacher's putting a guilt trip on you. It's not because your spouse is forcing you to do something. It's not because you need to appear better in somebody else's eyes. I do this because the love of Christ compels me to tell others about what God has done. I hope you'll be motivated by those things even today. Have you given positive witness for Christ? Be reminded of these three things. Again, number one, you will face the judgment seat of Christ. Number two, you need to witness with integrity. You are not selling used cars. Does everybody know what I mean by that? Right? There are people who they are just out knocking doors to sell. Again, one of the, the worst things I've ever seen in ministry and it was by a person I believe to be a godly man, but he was so hungry for this young man in prison to know Christ that he made the young man say words that the young man was not saying. He made him prayer that, say a prayer he wasn't ready to pray, and then he proclaimed him to be a believer when he didn't even have faith because he was selling the gospel rather than letting the Lord use the gospel. Right? Be careful. Make sure you witness with integrity. And then that reminder, we have been forgiven an impossible debt. Again, Christ's love constrains us. Christ has died for us. All right, look down if you would in the verse 16. <clears throat> Ambassadors have a different or a new perspective. So he says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone the new has come. We should see the world differently. The media that you take in, and we had this conversation a couple Wednesday nights, was so good. Usually what you are seeing today is a reflection of who you are. Let's see if I can say that a little bit better, more clearly. For those of you that happen to have either a Maybe it's a YouTube or a Facebook or a Snapchat or an Instagram. The way those things are built, they're built to feed you what you're interested in so that people that want to sell you things can sell you those things. 
And so if you were to go through your feed and you see a lot of things that are not positive, that are not healthy, that are not good, some of that is your heart. Not all of it. I'm not proclaiming all of it. But some of that is you're just getting what you appreciate. If I appreciate dirty humor, if I appreciate inappropriately dressed ladies, if I appreciate um, really sarcastic stuff about coworkers and I just keep feeding that, feeding that, it's reflecting back about the things that are in my heart and in my mind, right? And you should say things different if you've been changed by the world. One way to look at it is instead of seeing rich and poor or black and white or skinny and fat, we see souls. You see souls? You just need to see somebody else to get grouchy at. Right? That checker, why is she so slow? I don't know what her deal is. She's over there talking. She could be taking care of me, right? What's going on there? That guy, again, pulled in front of me out in the parking lot. I'm going to let him know that that was my right, my privilege. I should have had that space. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe my wife took the very last thing that I had an opportunity to have. <laughs> Even in our own family, sometimes we take those people for granted the most, don't we, right? The Lord has got to help us here. We got to see people differently. We have to see people as people who need Jesus or people who need to be lifted up if they already know Jesus. Before salvation, Paul, and of course many of us, viewed Christ from a worldly perspective. He viewed Christ as a fool. He viewed Christ as weak. He viewed his death as meaningless. But when God drew in Paul, he had a complete change in perspective. And now he sees Christ in strength and glory and power. And he sees people as those for whom Christ died. And they have great value to the master. When Christ comes into your heart, he makes all things new. Let's be clear again, and I never want to say this verse without saying these things. Change must accompany salvation, or it is not salvation. You hear me out today? You can examine your own heart or the people the heart that you love. You can get in a water pool and go down and come up. If there is no change, there is no salvation. You can say the most beautiful sinner's prayer, word for word. You can copy someone perfectly. But if there's no change in the heart, there is no salvation. When the Lord comes into the heart, there is a difference. A reminder this morning, have you been changed? Has God given you his perspective? Again, it doesn't matter if you are a member of a church. It doesn't matter if you got wet. It doesn't matter what prayers you prayed. What matters is have you been changed? Because when you've been changed, the old way of life is done away with and replaced with a new way of life and new desires and new affections. This does not mean that you don't ever fall or don't ever sin, but it means that your trajectory now is completely different. And I'm afraid what happens to us. When we don't know Christ, we're headed towards destruction. The Lord changes our heart. We hear his voice. <laughs> we repent of our sin. We turn and we start going the right direction. And then what happens is the cares of the world start creeping in, don't they, right? And we're going this way, but kind of. And we're going this way a little bit more. And then what happens? Right? You guys, it's so easy. And that's why the gospel is for us for every single 
day. And that's why we have to see that change that continually transforms us. God is in the business of making all things new. The power of Christ changes the heart so it can delight in God and his law. Again, the important thing is, um, are you in the, the book of the Lord? Again, Revelation 21, 5, the Lord said, he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. God is in the business of making things new. And he said unto me, right, for these words are true and faithful. What do you like about new? Any, any of you like new things? I love new stuff, right? Um, I'm a terrible at maintenance. So if I can get anywhere close to just getting rid of the old and get the new in, I love new. Uh, a fresh start is new. Some of you may like the new car smell, something that's not yet damaged, something that is different. And again, the reminder is Jesus is in the business of taking broken things and making them new. And one of the greatest miracles is that God takes a sinner, the enemy of God, and reconciles him or her to be the friend of God. Jesus can forgive and make you new. He can give you a new life. And that's the message we as ambassadors need to be telling, right? All right, let's look down and we'll finish up this morning in verse uh, 18. Ambassadors have a different occupation, different occupation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. If God has reconciled you, again, I'm just saying the scriptures this morning, we are then in turn to help others be reconciled. If God has granted us forgiveness, we in turn are given a ministry to help others forgive. What's your ministry today? I love Melissa's prayer today. I think that's so awesome. She's looking for a way. She's concerned about the people that she's trying to care for, that they would have some good things happen to them so that they would go closer to the Lord. So often in my life, I always thought of my work as completely separate from my ministry. My work was about me doing the job so I could make a paycheck so I could pay for my shelter and food for my family. And how many times did I miss an opportunity because I didn't see my work as a ministry? I know most of you already think that way, but I encourage you again today, look for an opportunity to have your work be your ministry. When you have been reconciled, you become an ambassador. So when you speak as an ambassador, whose opinions are you giving? The Lord's, <laughs> right? Oh, so tempting. And I'm sure that Ray and Paul can tell you the same thing. When you're preaching, you have a little moment of a pedestal here. Maybe it's 20, 30 minutes. You're like, oh, here's my chance to give all my thoughts and opinions on the world. I got a lot of them. You do too, don't you, right? It can be so um, tempting sometimes when we're the ambassador to just share our own ideas and our own opinions and our own concerns, but an ambassador is sent on behalf of someone else, right? Their job is to convey the truth of who is sending them 
to the places that they are sent. I think that is such a good reminder. The Lord has made us his ambassador, so we are to speak his message. And the message Paul says, so simple and so clear, we implore you be reconciled to God. Lord, help us. I don't know that we're imploring. Do you know what I'm saying? This is where I think we need our most help as a church family. We have, few of us have different burdens for different people, but what we need as a whole to increase is a burden for lost people to be reconciled to God. A burden so strong that we would implore them, please, please be reconciled. Rick, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you, if you're right, right with God yet today, but if I have opportunity in the right of the Lord with the Holy Spirit leading, I want to implore you more than anything. Be reconciled to God. Am I tracking with that? I, I want good things for my kids. I pray the Lord will bless them, give them success, give them good jobs, take care of their needs, take care of any physical situations going on in their life. But most of all, I want them to be reconciled to God. We need to implore, again, not in our own effort, not our own ability, but the, with the Spirit's leading, we need to implore people to be reconciled. You're sitting there today, and you know who the Lord's working on your heart about. There's probably someone in your life that needs to hear that in the gentlest tone, maybe sometimes in a very strong tone, they need to hear, be reconciled to God. This is the heart of salvation when the enemy of God becomes the friend of God. And the message is the gospel, and that's verse 21. God made the sinless one to be sin for us, that in him we might become God's righteousness. <laughs> Jesus had no reason to suffer, no reason to die other than that God would pour out his wrath on his only begotten son. The perfect lamb was made to be sin on our behalf. The righteous became sin that the sinful might become righteous. This is the gospel message that we are to share. One final illustration this morning from Gordon MacDonald. <clears throat> he says, a Nigerian woman who was a physician at a great teaching hospital in the United States came out of the crowd today to say something uh, kind about the lecture I had just given. She introduced herself using an American name. What's your African name, I asked. She immediately gave it to me, several syllables long with a musical sound to it. What does that name mean, I wondered. She answered, it means the child who takes the anger away. When I inquired as to why she would have been given that name, she said, my parents had been forbidden by their parents to marry, but they loved each other so much that they defied the family opinions and they married anyway. For several years, they were ostracized from both of their families. Then my mother became pregnant with me. And when the grandparents held me in their arms for the first time, the walls of hostility came down. I became the one who swept the anger away and that's the name my mother and father gave to me. 
it occurred to me that her name would be a suitable one for Jesus. <laughs> the child who takes the anger away. Amen. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus takes the anger away. My challenge to you this morning is so simple. Be an ambassador that shares the message of the one who knew no sin, that the sinful might be reconciled to God. Tell the story of the child who took the anger away. Let's stand this morning. Again, I, I, I know most of your actions and your behaviors. I don't know your heart. But most of you, seems like to me, you have already dealt with and heard the message of reconciliation and you made a decision to be reconciled to God. If you have not, then today we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. But I would say the challenge for most of us here today is that we are to be an ambassador. That this week, the Lord will open a door for us to speak and to hopefully kindly and clearly share that truth. Be reconciled to God and pray that we would not be shy, not like that initial ambassador in the first illustration who kept going to the Muslim country and said, Shh, we can't talk about these things. And yet when the senator came over and he said, oh, I want to talk to you about Jesus, the Muslim was like, that's a great conversation. Let's have it. There are people in our sphere who are waiting to have the conversation and we've got to be the ambassador. So we're going to sing this morning. As we sing, if you'd like to come to the altar and pray, if you want to pray in your seat, please pray that the Lord will guide you about how best to be an ambassador.